welcome back, Pocket Change listeners. It has been a while. We took a short hiatus. We got some great new guests, dealt with some technical difficulties, and now we're back. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Pocket Change. And today, it is my absolute pleasure to introduce my very good friend, Earl Selinski, who is a operations and farm manager. Hey, Earl. Hi, Kate. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? Good. I'm so glad we finally got to connect doing this. Yeah, like, listen, nephew, we've been talking about doing this for a long time now. I know, right? Like, there's so much to talk about. <laughs> it's wonderful. I love the fact that you respond to nephew when I texted you. Nephew, wanna, you want a podcast? Because I just got my big auntie status last week. I know. I'm so excited. Big auntie energy. Yeah, that's gonna, me. That's you know me. what? You're going to be a real deadly auntie. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yes, I am. The deadliest you ever saw. <laughs> right? So how, um, you know, let's, let's dial it back a little bit here and really talk. I mean, you are um, an Indigenous man who is reclaiming and finding your traditional heritage, lineage, culture. And you have the pleasure of working the land and running teams and feeding the nation. Like, that's a lot. Yeah, it is. You know, I guess, I don't even know where to start. Like, when you asked me to do this, I'm like, oh, I got nothing to talk about. And then I, then, you know, just before we got on, it was like, oh, I could do a couple episodes, I guess, with what, what goes on in my mind. Um, I always think I'm a bit of a tractor philosopher because I do have some time and lead some great people. <laughs> Um, but you know, reclaiming my culture, um, is a bit new to me, I guess. And, um, I, I grew up in a, in a town that there's been books written about it. Um, so it, we sort of hit our, our heritage. Um, it's on my mom's side and Ukrainian on my, on my, on my dad's side. And we had a family farm and we really embraced our Ukrainian side and we were, we hid our indigenous side. My mom in the town we grew up in, don't tell anybody you're indigenous. Don't tell anybody, you know, that you have your status card because they'll think of you differently. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm learning about the intergenerational trauma and I, I, and I'm not, you know, I'm not making a big deal about it because it's something that I have to deal with, like with you know, members of my family being in residential school, it's, it's so funny because my grandma would drive down the street uh, and my, you know, my great, great grandfather was chief of the band and his name is on the, on the treaties um, that were signed up where my band membership is. And my grandma, we would go uptown and she would say, look at those dirty Indians. And I'm like, you know, like grandma, that's like, that's you. And that's like my cousin. How can you say that? And I never really understood until I started to, to, to study my language and, and study like what residential school did to, to indigenous people and how, you know, cause when I, when I talked to my mom, Oh, well, our people didn't do ceremonies. I'm like, yeah, they did. It's just been gone for so many generations and I'm trying to reclaim that. And, and it's not easy cause you know, in, in the, in, I don't, I don't like to use the term witch hunt, but you know, the Buffy St. Marie's and you know, everybody, it, you know, everybody can't get along. Oh, you're a pretend Indian. You're, you're an apple. And, and, mm-hmm. and I think we just, we have to embrace who we are. And I, and it's tough for me 
because I know that, you know, my great grandmother, she was, you know, a healer and she was the medicine lady and she's the one who gave me, you know, my name, you know, my nickname, obviously on Insta is, is smiling coyote. And that's mm-hmm. the name of my, that's the name of my cattle company. And cause she saw early on in me that I love to smile. I loved, mm-hmm. you know, I was, and I was, and I'm a bit of a trickster. I love that part of me. And, uh, you are <laughs> right. So that, you're, that's well, you're cheeky, you're cheeky, right? Like you yeah. are, and you, do, you do like when I look at you now that I, I think about it. Yeah. You do have that smiling coyote look to you. And, <laughs> And, you know, I'm not going to say this because I'm on the podcast with you, but as you know, I mean, in the past few years, I've totally physically transformed my body. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. part of me, I'm proud to do that because, you know, a lot of Native people were warriors. Mm-hmm. And I have to and I have to think of that warrior mindset to say, you know, and I have to come to grips with food because food is so cultural and, yeah. you know, I've studied indigenous food and why is this food doing this to my body and why, you know, why, like, I don't understand. So I've done a lot of research on the cultural aspects of food and, you know, through it all lost 180 pounds and now, you know, gaining muscle and wanting to say, you know, my people are a warrior and I want to lead by example. Right. And, and. I'm only getting older, but I want to get better and be healthier and, and be that example. So those are the small ways that I'm trying to reclaim culture and, and learn, you know, the Cree language and, you know, which, which as you get older, you know, time, time is time, you know, we want to make use out of it. So I'm really trying to reclaim some of that in my own time and absorb it and absorb the ceremonies. And, you know, my mom I said, let's smudge. Well, our people didn't do that. And I'm like, yeah, they did mom. Like we, you talk about your grandmother, my great grandmother, you know, using roots and, and healing. And so it's there. We just have to get it back. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, there's, there's an optimism and an excitement and an enthusiasm that I just really appreciate because, you know, the movement is, is strong in terms of, you know, all of the aspects of indigenization and um you know we see it in education we see it in post-secondary education we see it in supply chain with our our beloved indigenous box we see it in um you know my my daughter she did ab studies at um all through high school instead of opting into spanish or french or you know taking that into consideration for her her math instead of grade 12 right like so there's all of these things that are happening and you know i look at what you do for a living and you know i think about you stewarding the land and i think that's probably the best way that i can put it is stewarding the land because you're out there every single day like man it was like 60 below a couple weeks ago and you were posting videos on your instagram of being out in 60 below that's yeah wild. and it's so funny because I, I do struggle with that to be honest i mean agriculture is so small but yet you know and i'm not i'm not the, we joke about colonization and stuff and but i also think to myself okay you know am i working for a colonist yeah probably i'm managing the farm and we farm in two locations and it's quite a large farm but you know what i'm only here for the blink of an eye and if i get to train people and lead people and 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 get to educate them you know the next part i'll tell you what's happened to me in 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 agriculture 
you'll, I mean, you'll, you'll gasp a little bit. Um, I've had people walk up to me cause I'm university educated. I have my, you know, I've gone to university for agriculture. Um, you know, and I've had people walk up to me and there's been cases where they've said, well, what made you such an ambitious Indian? I've had people, I've had people walk up to me and tell you, well, good for you for making something out of yourself. I've had, I walked into the tractor dealer the other day and someone said to me, Hey, how's the whitest Indian I know? Um, you know, I, I face that all the time. Um, you know, I'm, as you know, I'm a late comer to the tattoo game. Um, I have war. I, I do. I have, uh, but I have the seven sacred teachings on my arm and I got feathers on my neck, um, hawk feathers because, you know, part of, part of residential school was to take away those ceremonial things. And there's a couple lines in a couple songs where they took the feathers off Geronimo's uniform. And I thought to myself, well, they're never going to take these feathers away from me. And so it, it becomes culturally significant, but so no matter what I face, you know, um, I'll have those symbols with me and, but, but that's the, but you think that, okay, we live in such an advanced society, but yet in agriculture, you know, it's very much an old boys club, we'll call it. And I, I face that all the time. We're members, you know, I, I'm a member of a few organizations and they know that I'm first nations and yet, you know, good for you for making something out of yourself. I get that a lot. That's crazy. And I, I know it's like 2024 and I'm like, holy cow. Like, you know, I, and I, know, I knew you would gasp. Right. Yeah. But, but I just sort of, I'm like, I'll let my actions speak louder than my words by, by, you know, by my physical stamina and my, my attention to detail and my work and my family and my whoever I'm going to, I'm going to just put my best Earl forward. And if you choose to judge me after that, because people judge you no matter what I was judged when I was. 350 pounds and now i mean the pictures that you you've seen are like okay yeah the guy's like getting in shape right and people judge you for having muscle you know that oh yeah people people judge me for having tattoos so you know what i'm just gonna be the best person that i can be whether that's indigenous Mm -hmm. side ukrainian side whatever. I'm just going to be the best person I can be because I'm made up of all these people that have come before me. Cause I'm reading a book right now that really at the end of our life, we're just a bunch of stories. Absolutely. You know, and right? the, you know, a couple of things come to mind. The first one is, um, you know, how we, how we receive feedback from other people. And I often say to myself, you know, cause you know, when you walk around looking like a seventh wonder of the world here, Earl, um, people pay attention. <laughs> But, you know, uh, you know, if I give them the power to feed me, I give them the power to starve me. And so it's a direct link back to just really not taking anything personal. And I think that when we look at it in a societal form, we, we say, oh, I'm not going to take that personally. But we choose. We pick and choose what we're going to take personally. If someone pays us a compliment, we take it very personally. We're very proud of ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. If we receive criticism 
we take it personally and we're very hard on ourselves. And so, you know, I've been really working on my practice of stoicism, of allowing people to project and reflect um, in terms of what they think and what they believe. And, you know, uh, I pick a word and anybody who's listened to the podcast for a period of time knows that I pick a word every year. And last mm-hmm. year, my word was unapologetic. And I know. Oh, God, Earl, it was like the best year. And um, it's because I just really didn't care what anybody thought. It was, you know, I, I really embraced how I wanted to show up. And I was this authentic individual version of who I am. This beautiful, loud, awkward, loving, compassionate, nerdy human. And, you know, it's kind of like, take it or leave it. This is who I am. And I just don't have it in me to waste my time trying to please others in this world when I have all of this love that I'm surrounded by. Right. Like so powerful. It's so powerful. And it's taken me a long time to get there because I mean, you, you probably have the mindset too. Like I, I struggle the same way with what people see because, you know, I come from a town where there's like, when I grew up there, there was 3000 people in 30 churches. Oh, what? Um, so yeah. And it, it was a dry town until a couple of years ago. Um, so, you know, being Ukrainian and, and indigenous, you know, I had to buy all the liquor for my buddies, um, you know, which, which, which we laugh about, but it, it's, you know, I'm not sad about it. Every experience that I've had in my life has shaped me to this point, but you know, I still think of myself as a fat kid, mm-hmm. right? I, I'm like, okay, I got to do better. And that's, that's one. I mean, when, when we lack, when we laugh at my toxic trait our toxic trait, the memes and stuff. My toxic trait, I guess, is I'm not able to see how far I've come. Mm-hmm. I just see that. I just see, okay, I have more to do, right? I have, uh, am I the best person I can be? I don't, I don't sit back and, and, you know, I lead a, I lead a bunch of blue collar guys. Uh, I've led a bunch of blue collar guys in my dad's construction company. And, you know, I've learned a few things. I've learned that if I have to ask for help, my manhood isn't going to shrivel up. I've had to learn to say that I don't have to be the smartest guy in the room, but I got to know where to find the answers. And I want to be that authentic person so I can be taken seriously. Like that authentic authenticity that, and that I have seen in your posts and, you know, I've seen that shine through like, this is Kate, right? This is like who she is. You can take it or leave it. And you, you can grow and, you know, there's been a few times in my life where, you know, you, you get these cheesy things, but you think about them, at, you know, in when I was a kid, those motivational posters that hang in your chiropractor's office, right? Um, yeah. You know, but it, but they are, some of them are true. Um, you know, you don't see growth on mountaintops. I, I tell my guys all the time, we don't grow when things are going awesome on the farm. We grow when we have problems and we've learned to yeah. solve them together. Right. Yeah. And yeah. you know, one day I was crushing gravel with my dad. I was running the crushing crew and this is so funny because, you know, I know that the way you've, you know, projected your relationship with your dad, that you could probably relate to this and I'll share it with you. <laughs> it's, it's a very personal moment. 
I was having such a bad day and we're billing out this crusher at $3,000 an hour. And it was just, everything was going wrong. And my dad was like one of the bosses at the company. Like if some, if something, if something went wrong and I didn't get treated any better, I got treated worse probably because I had to work harder. I called him and said, you know, this is wrong and that's wrong. And I'm having a bad day and what can we do? And you know what he told me? Hmm. Brighter days ahead. And he hung up and, <laughs> and I thought, you know, this old guy, like, really? That's my dad wisdom, like brighter days ahead. And then you hang up on me, Ed, like, what are you doing here? And then I thought to myself, you know, it took me about 10 years to realize I don't even, I don't even remember what went wrong that day. All I remember is my dad's word, brighter days ahead. And I made it through that tough day mm-hmm. and, and I'm going to make it through whatever. If someone tells me, Oh, how's the whitest Indian? I know I'll just, I will just, if they choose that, if they, if they have an open mind and they want to listen, I will educate them. I'm not mad at them. I don't, you know, I struggle with religion. I have faith that, that there's something out there but I struggle with religion because of what the church did through residential schools. Um, but I think that I, you know, everything leads up to that moment where it's like, it opens your mind and your heart. And, and I love that the words that you choose to be unapologetic, Mm -hmm. authentic. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And thanks so much for sharing that. I mean, like those are the moments where they're like turning points and, they're the things that you don't forget, right? Like they're the ones that stick with you, that drive you through. And, you know, I'm very similar where I believe that I'm a very spiritual person and I welcome people to um, participate in whatever religion serves them and and their faith. Like I have no, no qualms with anything, right? It's none of my business what you choose to believe. No. Um, I told this story to one of the groups that I facilitated last week, and I've never actually told this story, and not on the podcast, but when we were little, after the, um, you know, abandonment from our mother, our father had us in this daycare, and it was in the basement of a Baptist church. And so, they had this big blue school bus, and they would send it around to go pick up the kids every week. And so, they said, Katie, Siobhan, do you want to come to church? And we said, Daddy, can we? And he said, yeah, if you want, like, whatever. And so we went and we, because uh, my dad was an atheist. He was a, he, he really, he claimed atheism. And he was curious, though. He read the Bible, the Book of Mormon. He read the Doctrine and Covenants. He read the Quran. Like, he read it all. He loved it. And he was curious. So he says, yep, yep you go ahead. And so we stood on the edge of our driveway, and the bus picked us up, and it took us to to the daycare, which was also the church. And we went to church. We went to the service. And I remember the family that was there. They had come up from Texas. So they were Texas Baptists in the Yukon. And uh, Mrs. Hunter comes to me, and she says, Katie, can I have a talk with you before you get on the bus? And I said, okay. So I go over, and she says, Katie, when you come into the Lord's house, you can't be wearing sweatpants in your play clothes. You got to be in a nice dress. You got to show Jesus that you're here to praise him. Dress accordingly. Oh, okay. So I went home and I said to my dad, Daddy, I said, I need a dress for church next weekend. So he said, okay. And so he went into our crawl space. What well, wasn't a crawl space? It was like a dugout basement. Like it was a, you know, just dirt that our house was sitting on. And he found this dress and he washed it and it was still musty as hell. And, um, so I had this dress the next week and I'm feeling fancy and pretty and I get on the bus and I go to, I go to the daycare, which is the church and I come um, and they give me a balloon 
a helium balloon with a chocolate bar in it. <laughs> I thought, if that if that doesn't sum it up for you, right? And so I was happy as a lark. I come home, I've got my my balloon and my chocolate bar and my cookie. And I, I come in and my dad's there and he was a corrections officer. And so he was ironing these shirts. And he, he looks at me and he goes, oh, hi. And I said, hi. I said, daddy. I said, daddy, Jesus is in my heart. And he put the iron down and he comes over to me and he leans over and he goes, what was that? And I said, daddy, Jesus is in my heart. And he said, oh, Katie, that is just so wonderful. He said, you keep them there till next week and you take them back. We can't afford another mouth to feed. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> but but what a core memory because and that that's where people like it's called church burn right because jesus was a homeless middle eastern dude like when you think about it like why do you have to wear a dress you know and and, well and the social norms i think just around the dogma and what the expectations were just didn't meet the capability of who we were at the time as a family and you know i think that there's there's a time and a place for everything and i think that you know, I was this random, dirty, little, runabout, ragamuffin, latchkey kid at five, six years old, right? And so the way that we were parented was very different, right? And so, mm-hmm. but 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 what the value was, was that I had this person who was loving and compassionate and kind, very similar to that of your dad. He's not freaking out over a breakdown in machinery. He's telling you, son, brighter days ahead. Pull, pull your your head out of your bum and let's get after it. And that's powerful. It is because it. And he and one day I was so wound up and he said to me, you know what? He said, I'm not laying awake at night worrying about it. And I'm I'm a boss and I'm I'm like <laughs> I'm part of the, I'm part of the company. And he said, why are you laying awake worrying about it? So you know when people criticize me and and for wherever I'm at on my personal journey, right? If they're not laying awake worrying about it, which I know they aren't because they've thrown that hand grenade by and walked by, like, you know, like giving you the hairy eyeball for having a tattoo or whatever, or, you know, the way that, you know, you or I would carry muscle. Like, it doesn't matter. I don't care. I am who I am. Mm -hmm. I am here because people before me never gave up right? My ancestors never gave up. I'm, I'm here and I need to honor what they went through, whether it was my grandpa, you know, I have pictures of my, my, my Ukrainian forefathers clearing land by hand in Manitoba. And, Mm -hmm. and I try and honor them by, it doesn't matter who I try and honor where I came from because it's important to me, right. To, to do the best I can. And then to show, to, to show my family, okay, I'm trying to do the best I can. Well, I think it's super important too, right? Like when you think about creating positive lineage for your child, right? I think, you know, everything that I do, I know that how I model behavior and what I do is a direct influence to what my child does. And it's, you know, there's one thing that comes to mind. There's this thing that I saw on, um, it actually came in a mug, on a mug in our indigenous box. Um and it was, you are your ancestors' wildest dreams. You are exactly who your ancestors wanted you to be. Like, they, they couldn't imagine the greatness that you are doing right now. Like I saw how, that. 
Yeah. And and yeah. that that really that one that one hit me, right? That yeah. one because okay, that's putting words to what I've been trying to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so that one you know, you you know when we talk about impact and being a leader, like you know, that's what I'm saying. I don't think that if you wanted, if we did a great job and you're like, oh, this Earl guy, I'd like to hear from him again. We'll talk about food production. I have, I have thoughts on food production and, and fitness and losing weight like you, and we could share some stories, but you know, right now it's, you know, the, oh, here's another one to make you gasp on where we're at with, with who we are or being authentic and accepting people. You know, I choose to accept people. I, I had someone come walk up to me, one of my team members, he doesn't work with me anymore, but he walked up to me and said, Harold, yep, he drove truck, hauled grain for us. What happens if we would hire a gay guy? <laughs> um, oh. I, I'm like, okay, well, where does this come from? Well, I think it's wrong. Well, I said, what about you? I'm like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not the, I'm not the judge. Like, I don't have to answer, like, I don't have to. I don't have to answer. I'm not the judge. Like I'm not, I said, if you get, if whoever we hire, as long as they, I don't care if who they are, if they get in that truck and they make it, they can haul grain and they can help us do our job. I really don't care who we have. It's about being a good person. You know, I, I on my office wall, I have like basically be a good person. Wear deodorant. Don't do meth. Right. Like just be a good <laughs> person. Right. Where the deodorant. Be a good person. Right. Like, like let's get back to the basics, but it's, it's, yeah. it's so lost. Yeah. You know, the other, you know, the other day my son came to me and you know, he said, dad, I'm feeling insignificant, oh. which, which really sort of bothered me because I'm like, you know, kid, you got to create your own significance. And I think I don't really care about 15 minutes of fame. And mm -hmm. all I care about is inspiring one or two people in my life, you know, and, and once again, not because I'm on the, on this podcast, but you know, part of the reason I continue my fitness journey is because you post stuff and I'm like, geez, now I got to keep up with Kate. Like, so <laughs> you inspire me and push me to get better. And that's something that I probably don't tell people enough. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if I send you around a message now and say, damn it. Now I don't, I don't feel like working out today, but you did. So now I got to go do it. We don't know yeah. who we inspire. Right. Yeah. So, I, yeah. You know, it, it's, it's interesting. You say that I was, uh, you know, I train at the bank here in town every so often, like a couple times a week. And I went in the other day and there was this lady in there with her son and like her son was, I don't know, he's older than us. And she was like, Hmm. I don't know, like 85, like she was a senior citizen and she was trying to get my attention and I was just locked in and I was doing my thing. And then finally, like, she was just kind of like wandering. And I don't know if that was like part of her program or what, like, I don't know, but I saw her see me and she saw me see her. And so I went over and I turned my music off and I said, she says to me, Barb told me that you won a whole bunch of awards. You did such a good job. <laughs> I was like, thank you. I've never seen this woman in my life. <laughs> like That was the first time. But it was just like that's community, right? And I think that we forget how important community is. And we forget that 
um, we don't know who we're influencing. We don't know what our actions are saying. And, you know, so it comes back to our actions express our priorities and our actions are louder than anything. And so, like, I, you know, I don't know about you. But I can't open Facebook right now. I find that everybody's a philosopher or they're complaining Mm -hmm. about something or it's very political. And I just it's like I don't care. I just don't care. You're not a philosopher. You're you're a nerd with a Wi-Fi router like it just like whatever. But, you know, the core of everything about that is that the world is not changed by your opinion. The world is changed by your example. And so I'm not going to talk about being a kind and nice and healthy person. I'm going to go out and be a kind and nice and healthy person every single day. Because how you do one thing is how you do everything. Right. And be authentic. And I mean, when you say I don't open Facebook, I don't open Facebook hardly except for Marketplace because I like look, I'm like in the market, I'd like to buy an old truck. (laughs) <laughs> and some more farm equipment. And that's basically all I use because I find it so like those keyboard tough guys that will criticize oh, yeah. no matter what you do, they criticize it. And I found my mental health to get better. I mean, if you'd like me to drop a bomb on your podcast, I can, and we can talk about it now. Or like, I know we're, we, we want to wrap up in a little bit and, and I'm, I, I will share my story. I mean, I've, I have a semicolon, you know, on my, behind my other ear. And, uh, it's because I've actually tried to kill myself a couple times. Um, you know, and the, the recent one is, is probably about a year ago. Um, you know, just, just because you, you think you're not good enough and you struggle with who you are and, you know, it's, so I'm trying to overcome that and understand that and just be more, I guess, kinder with myself. And I'm trying to say. You know, if I, if I need help, I will, I will ask for it and I will take pleasure in the small victories and I will try and draw inspiration from people like you. And I will try and draw inspiration from people like my dad, even though he's struggling with dementia. And I, and I still, I mean, the reason, you know, you're talking to me on a Manitoba number, even though we're in Alberta is because he remembers this number. He can call me even with his dementia because I'm like, it's important to me. That's and, very important. Uh, yeah. You know, so I'm, and I, and he's part of the reason, you know, that I guess when I did read that mug, you know, you're your ancestors' wildest dreams. I'm like, okay, the creator, whatever we want to call it, I'll, I'll use the term creator, has a purpose for me. Right. He has a purpose for me. And I don't know what that is. It's kind of like that movie, Simon Birch. What's my purpose? What am I here for? Right. Um, and I don't think we really know who we inspire. And I'm really trying to let people know that they matter to me or they inspire me in some small way, because maybe they're going through what I've gone through where I don't feel significant. That's why I could relate to my son to say, absolutely. I'm, I'm feeling like I I'm feeling why you're feeling insane because I really don't care about 15 minutes of fame. I, I, I just, I just don't, I, I've been involved with the making of a few movies, like actually quite a few as a wrangler and stuff. And, and, you know, when I've happened to be hanging around at the right place at the right time. And, uh, I, I'm just like, 
wow, I just love being the guy to make the magic happen. I don't need to be the Kevin Costner in Yellowstone. I need to be the guy that I like to be the guy that teaches Kevin Costner how to ride a horse in Yellowstone. I like, you know, one of the most powerful lessons that I've learned actually is we all hear about people being wealthy and, oh, I want to create wealth and I want to create, I don't know. It's all about wealth, right? Everything is driven by money. It feels like, and, and I'm not intrinsically motivated by that. I'm intrinsically motivated by purpose. And that was reinforced by a, a an older fella that I know. I won't mention his name, but um, he's a multi-billionaire. And we text actually all the time. He wanted me to come run one of his businesses. Mm-hmm. And uh, he told me, one day we were driving along and, and I said, no, no, that's not going to work. Like we're, there's no way that's going to, we're going to do that. And he stops, looks at me and says, no, you know, Earl, he says, you know, the other, only other person, the one person that told me no died. And you know, I, I visited her, that was his wife. She told me, no, my doctor tells me no. And now you just some guy that <laughs> wants like some guy from the prairies, like is going to tell me no. Like he said, there's so many people that want something that he said, I wonder where I could have been in, in my business if people had been honest with me. Right. And that was such a powerful moment. Like, like with my dad, brighter days ahead. I don't remember what the problem was. I just survived that day. Now I've been told that if I'm honest or people are honest with me, where could I, where could I really be in life? If I really, you know show gratitude as well to say, you know, Hey, Kate, you inspired me. I was going to skip my workout, but I see that you kicked ass today. So now (laughs) I got to go head downstairs and do it. Right. And, and I'm, there's a thing that I started with my team. It, um, it's an impact. We call it impact. Um, who impacted your job today? How do you think you impacted someone else? And we do it. We try and do it every day. That's cool. Um, and pretty soon we're looking for ways to help each other do their job so you can be that impact. I love that. I and love that. I'm trying to bring that into my personal life. So I'm going to tell you right now that there's days that you're my impact where I'm like, okay, like Kate's kicking it today. She's my impact. There's days where, you know, I talk to my dad and even with his dementia, I can ask him a a truck question and he remembers, you know, the valve setting on a Detroit engine. And I'm like, you know, dad, you were my impact today because I called you. And even with your dementia, you told me the specifications that I needed, mm-hmm. you know, my rodeo, my rodeo buddy, I can call him up and he's like a ride or die. And I'm like, you know, Travis, you were my impact today. That's and awesome. So I'm really working hard at, cause there's just so much negativity in the world and I, I'm not, I'm not Pollyanna. I don't think that, I'm going to change the world. I'd love to be able to make it better or, or somehow, but hopefully I can just make even someone's day brighter that needs it. Because there's times, like I said, the days when I've tried the three times that I've tried to end my life, if someone had walked up to me and said, you are my impact, maybe that wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. So now is, if I can, if I can yeah. do that for someone. 
That is amazing. And, you know, Earl, I think this is a great place for us to to hit the pause button. I don't want to hit the stop button on this conversation. I want to hit the pause button and, and have you back because I think that there's a lot that people can learn from you and not just not just people in the business world, not just, you know, regular listeners, but I think that, you know, reaching our young Indigenous community is really important. And we're going to find ways to bring this content to them because these are real life issues. These are things that they're going to face and having the resilience and the wherewithal to lean in, I think is going to be really powerful. So thank you so much for joining me today and starting this conversation. You're welcome. I'm so glad we finally got to get caught up and, you know, if if I get to inspire one person or we can do that old radio thing where we have a hook and like, stay tuned for our next episode, that would be fantastic. Absolutely. Well, listeners, you heard it here. Stay tuned for our next episode and thank you for sticking with us and for joining us again as Pocket Change relaunches into 2024. And as always, remember, if there is any content you'd like to see us feature, anyone you'd like to see us have on the podcast, reach out. A call doesn't cost a thing. <laughs>